Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome TTB community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me, as always, is the very poke Elliot Shibley. What is the word? Poke. How's it, how's that spelled? It's spelled P A W K Y, but the pronunciation is P O K E, the little you know thing above it. Do you want to definition? What it, yeah. What does it mean? Having or showing a sly sense of humor. Oh, I like that word. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're very uh, poke. I I might use that. I might. I don't <laughs> so know if I'm going to remember it. It's Scottish or Northern English is the is the origin. derivation. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Yeah. So this week's episode is our travel bites, which means we will have six primary articles from the outbreak of the coronavirus in China to an update on the Australian wildfires. We will have a few articles on Peru, including what some tourists did, some awful things in Machu Picchu. And then we hear some about the new travel trends for 2020. And then we get to talk about Philadelphia a little bit and what some of those travel trends look like. Mm -hmm. Reminder. Reminder, there is no trivia question this week, so you can tune in next week to figure out what last week's episode was, what the answer was, and tune in next week for that trivia question. And as always, if you have the answer, email it to us at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook. So real quick, before we get into it, we just want to remind people that we have updated our website. You can now go to the travel gear tab or the book a trip tab and get information on the organizations that we have interviewed on this podcast and you could book a trip directly with them or buy some of the travel gear that Elliot and I use to travel the world ourselves. We can vouch for it, we enjoy using it, and that is why we are sharing it on our website. That Well done, Bob. Well done. Thank you. I think that's all that we're going to say about that. And let's just jump into the travel news. Elliot, what is the first story? Lunar New Year in China. What? It is, yeah, the coronavirus is really dampening travel in and with within China and out of China. And this virus is affecting several million people are quarantined alone and several dozens have died from it. Yes. Now, now something, first of all, I want to preface this by saying Elliot and I are not doctors nor are we medical professionals, so do not take any medical advice from us. However, we do follow travel news very closely, and I want to make sure that I nail home that uh, while this, this coronavirus is a serious risk for those traveling, especially to countries in areas without adequate medical facilities compared to the United States, it is not a severe threat for those of us that are currently in the United States and are not really planning to travel far and wide. Honestly, right now, I would still be far more concerned with just the common flu than I would the coronavirus. To compare, coronavirus has only killed 305 people as of this date, and they have only come from, those deaths are only in mainland China. There's not been a reported death from this virus anywhere else in the world. To compare that to the flu, which has killed over 8,000 people this winter. So, so I just want to put that in perspective. You know, you're seeing coronavirus all over the news. It's not, I don't want to underplay it and say it's not a risk, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. I don't yeah, know. it's I don't not World War Z. It's not the beginning of World War Z. <laughs> I was looking for that on Netflix last night just because all I this, love that movie. All this, <laughs> and the book. Such, I read Both the book are great. I watched the movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, What's next? 
All right, what's next? So the wildfires in Australia are still burning. Now, while, uh, while they're not as severe as they were earlier this month or earlier, you know, the month of January, they are still burning. People are losing homes. A lot of people lost their lives and they still do need help. The, the article that, we, that we're referring to right now that we recently read, it's, it discusses the fact that these homes are still being destroyed. There was a 92 mile long fire burning that they're just monitoring and trying to control. I do know Australia did get a lot of rain recently, so things are looking up, but to say that this problem is behind them is not accurate at all. Yeah, and if you wish to donate on our Instagram page, if you click on the link we have in our profile, a pop-up will come up that allows you to donate. Yeah, these fires have claimed the lives of 33 people since September. More than 3,000 homes have burned or have been raised and 10.6 million hectares. uh, Hectares. Hectares, 26.2 million acres have been burned. So massive area. Absolutely massive. Devastating to Australia. I think they lost something like estimates were like a billion um, species or not a billion, a billion animals might have died. So horrible all around. And if you have the capability to contribute, um, please do. On the flip side of that, in Peru, the country plans to plant one million trees around Machu Picchu to help protect it and keep it lush. Right. Yeah, it's a great idea. I mean, as as most of us know, vegetation, especially trees with their root systems, help keep the earth intact. And when you remove that vegetation, you allow the soil to become loose, especially in high rain events and that soil can then come apart and that's what creates mudslides so when you have the 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 more dense the vegetation the more intact the soil can be and it will limit the the erosion that can happen on the side of this mountain for those of you who have been to machu picchu or have seen it in pictures the top of the mountain where machu picchu actually sits is very bare so this is a good idea this is this is a great idea and and i'm happy that this is happening yeah, I am too. Now, this next article is really disturbing. Uh, yeah, I mean, this pissed me off. Yeah, it pissed me off too. And I, I don't know why anyone would truly do this. Um, a group of tourists ended up pooping at Machu Picchu. Yep. They straight up defecated at the park. They snuck in and went to one of the sun temple or one of the yeah temple of the sun. They damaged that, and then in another temple, they ended up pooping in and around Machu. What? Picchu. What? horrible people like and and when you have to jump through hoops and you want to you know raise your fist and say why do i have to follow all these ridiculous regulations on seeing these attractions this is why these people are the reason that these things are these places are becoming harder and harder to visit and you're getting you're getting less out of them they're becoming more restrictive they're putting up more barriers or creating stricter time limits it's these people that are doing that and they they defecated in the sun temple or no, they, they broke a part of the sun temple, which is arguably the most significant structure within Machu Picchu. They damaged that and then decided to defecate somewhere in the ruins, which I mean, I don't even understand the mindset that these people had doing this, but they, they were deported. I think Um, they, the tourists were from Chile, Chile, Brazil, France, and Argentina. And they snuck into the ruins and caused a rock to fall from the wall of the Temple of the Sun, damaging it. 
and um, and then one of the foreigners defecated inside of the Yankin city. So yeah, as long as as long as people like that exist and continue to travel, uh, they make bad Makes names it for more tourists. More difficult for the rest of us. Yeah, yeah and they, they give tourists a bad name. So don't be one of those try people. to make try to give us a good name. Mm-hmm. The next article is also a little disappointing. Um, and this is the first time I've heard of this in a while, but a Boeing flight from LAX had to dump a large portion of its jet fuel directly after taking off. And all of that jet fuel fell onto a school and got onto, what was it, Bob? It was a playground. A, a playground. But how many kids had to be taken to the hospital because they were covered in jet fuel. I don't know how many. They thought they were getting rained on. So this is standard practice. This is like a safety regulation. If if you need to make a an immediate or um, rushed landing in an emergency, you're supposed to dump the fuel because if not, the plane can be too heavy to come to an, a stop, just to come to an appropriate stop on the runway. But you're supposed to do it at a certain altitude and they typically do it over water. In this, in this instance, the flight was only at 2,300 feet above the school when it dumped thousands of gallons of jet fuel over a playground during recess, just dousing these children in gasoline. It's such an incredible oversight on the pilot, um, the, the airline. I don't really... I mean, I don't know if it was an oversight, but it's an unfortunate situation because if they hadn't done that, would the plane have safely landed. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know those specific details, uh, but whatever the yeah. case is for having only flown for 25 minutes and the rest of the flight was still another 12 and a half hours. That's a lot of jet fuel. Oh yeah. Yeah. This next one is a little bit more fun. It talks mm-hmm. about food. Bob. So it breaks down the top 10 or the, the countries with the, top, the best food in the world. The top 10 countries with the best food in the world. There we go. Third and I'm a little charm. disappointed in this list, and I'll tell you why. Okay. When so, we get to the end. Right. So do, should we just watch? Should we just go through the list real quick? Yeah. All right. Starting at number 10, we have Thailand, then to Lebanon. And so I've had food in Thailand, and I would agree that it is incredible. Lebanon, um, I do know Lebanese food is supposed to be very good. I'm not familiar with it. Then we go China, Japan, Mexico, Greece. And number six. Gre- six is number Mexico. Greece is number five, <laughs> which I, what? Six is number Mexico. <laughs> is that what I said? <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Oh, that's great. All you right. said it confidently well, and I believed yeah, you. I, I did. I would have never noticed if you didn't say that. I, <laughs> <laughs> What's number five? Number five is Greece, which Greece has, Greek food is some of my favorite, the calamari olives and the, mm-hmm. the hummus, you know. Um, then into Spain. India, which I was surprised to be number three on the list. Number two, France. And number one, the reigning champion, Italy. Now, Elliot, why were you upset with this list? I was very upset because Peru did not even make the list. And worldtravelawards.com, which is a very well-respected award, and they give travel awards out to in different categories to different countries every year. Peru has won the world's leading culinary destination for the last eight years since 2012. And they're not even on this list. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. I don't know how a city can get such notoriety for having incredible food and not make this list. Um, but we are not the authors and uh, I guess we'll never know how it gets left off. I mean, not to talk bad about India. 
<laughs> oh, I love Indian food. Do you? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I love it. I wouldn't Should say it be it. number three, though? Right. Number three in the world. First of all, France is number two. Yeah. You think France has the second best food? I would put Greek yes. over France. I would no. I would do I would French. do Italy. I would do really, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. What what other than their toast, which I love getting at diners in New Jersey. That's but not even French. <laughs> <laughs> do you like their fries too? Yes, their fries are delicious. <laughs> Especially the ones from McDonald's. Um no, but what well if what would be your top five? I my top five would probably be I think French would be my number one. I think uh, Italian would probably be my number two. I think Thai or Indian would be three. And then, sorry, yeah, I think Peru would be number four. And then number five would be, I don't know, maybe so my, Mexican. My top five would or be Spanish. I, you could, yeah, so my top three, it would go Italy, Greece, and Spain. I, I very much, I love the Mediterranean type dishes. So, that's that's where those would sit and then i think number four would be thai and number five would be peru yeah mm-hmm. pad thai Oof. So i have good, good i have Drunken good pad noodles thai place. yeah i have a great pad thai place right around the corner get this, this this restaurant is called thai burger and they have amazing thai food and then amazing hamburgers not sure how they mix they make it work it is incredible next time i come down we're getting them absolutely let's do it <clears throat> all right so these next articles, we're really just going to brush up on. We're not going to really get into too much, but um, we found them of some relevance, and we're just going to update you on their existence. Elliot, what's <laughs> the first one? <laughs> so the first one probably won't impact many of you listening, but I think it's kind of a big step for these two countries. And it's just that Israel officially allows Israelis to travel to Saudi Arabia before many Israelis still traveled to Saudi Arabia but they did it knowing that they were at risk for some kind of repercussion. Um, now they are legally allowed to do it, and I think it's a big step for both countries. I think anytime you see an easing of regulations in this region of the world among countries who have historically not gotten along, it's a good thing and it's a step in the right direction. So I'm glad to see that that is happening. Yeah, and the. The reasons they're doing it are specifically for the Islamic pilgrimages, known as the Hajj and the Umrah, and for business trips up to 90 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good to hear. All right. This next one is was kind of, it was interesting. So birth tourism is a, now a, a, a word, it's a thing, and it's where people from out of the country of the United States would come to the United States on vacation or on a trip very close to their due date, have a baby within the United States, and that baby would become a U.S. citizen, right? Is that correct? So the current administration is now cracking down on birth tourism. As of January 23rd, uh, the U.S. State Department issued a new set of rules restricting entry targeting pregnant travelers who wish to visit the United States. And what the, the issue the State Department said, or what they issued, is that they are aware that many foreign nationals have sought B- non-immigrant visas for the purpose of attaining U.S. citizenship for a child by giving birth in the United States. They are now moving or they have made the moves to not allow this to happen anymore. I think it's interesting. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I don't either. I'd say it's a, I don't either. I don't really, it's not something that I have spent enough time looking into and researching and understanding to have like a very strong opinion. Yeah. And it's not something that impacts me directly. 
Right, right. Yeah, it's something if I were to give a real firm opinion, I'd have to look into it more. Um, yeah. what, what's the next one? So this next one is about Philly. Philly and Philly. unfortunately, maybe not unfortunately, maybe it's fortunate. I don't know. You make up your mind. Visit Philly's new target for 2020 is boomers. That's right. Okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah, I found this interesting because I, I found it interesting at first and then I read through and it does make sense. Um, I found it interesting because you don't read a lot about tourism industries and tourism organizations focusing their attention on boomer travelers. It's always about young people with their new trendy things. And this was an interesting read because they are, their, their, their reasoning behind focusing on boomers is obvious. Boomers have more yeah. money. They just have a lot more, more money. Yeah. They have a lot more money. They, they're, they're established. They're retired. Right. Um, and so they're going to be the ones coming to your city and spending most of their wealth. Well, not most of their wealth. <laughs> I do, not. Some of their wealth. Some yeah. of their wealth. But when millennials travel, it's usually all of it. Yeah. So it says boomers are the ones with all the money, and it's not even close. They've amassed 50, 57% of America's wealth compared to Gen X, who has 16%, and millennials, 3%. Oh, <laughs> come on. That, I did not realize the disparity between those generations. That's a lot. No, but there's a lot of years, you know. There's a, a lot of millennials are still figuring things out and um, it's okay. We'll so where's there. the other 34%, the other third? I don't know. Sorry, the other quarter, it's only 24%. How old is a boomer right now? I think 55, okay. 55 and older. Okay, all right. Oh, 55 and older. So they're retired. They're, they're mostly retired people yeah. who are now looking to travel. And so empty nesters. Now, it, it, Philadelphia is kind of on the up and up as far as tourism goes this past month they were um identified by national geographic as one of the best trips to take this year this you know in 2020 so that that um attention from national geographic in addition to this information it seems like philadelphia is kind of ramping up what they can do their efforts to bring more visitors to the city i can say i was in philly last night for dinner and it was epic yeah we went to yeah, we went to Vetri with my dad and my stepmom, had a wonderful meal. And in the morning, we went to Green Eggs, which was right down the road, had the kitchen sink, in, which is just massive. We should we should get someone from Tours by Locals on the podcast to do Philly. We should. That'd be a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I think we should do that very soon. All right. Uh, and last but not least, the four biggest travel trends for 2020. I found this interesting, and they they're com- it's a common theme. A lot of these bullet points are common themes. So the first one is uh, sustainability will be a cornerstone for high-end luxury travel experiences. That, and I'm not going to lie, that sounds contradictory. It does sound contradictory. Yes, you're right. I mean, travel in and of itself is not sustainable, right? If you want it to be completely sustainable, you just hang out at your house. Hey, like, stay at home. So you wouldn't take a car by, anywhere. By default, to travel requires energy. Um, and unless you're walking, it's just very, it's unsustainable. But speaking in relative terms, um, there the, the article notes that big corporations like Marriott, um, they're, they're starting to swear off single-use plastic toiletries. In Dubai, they're banning single-use plastic by the end of the year. And so... At, at the at a minimum, you have these co- these companies that are in the travel industry that are trying to do their small part and maybe make baby steps tour towards a, a more sustainable travel experience. And so yeah. you got to give it to them there. I'd like to see cruise ships and cruises in general get more sustainable because to me, 
a cruise is just living life in excess for well, a week. I thought of about this and yeah, I mean, in addition to the actual experience of being on the cruise ship, the amount of fuel that it dumps, you know, that it uses to cruise around is enormous, but you'd be surprised. It's a lot less than a flight. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what Especially I was getting per at. person. That's what I was getting at. So I have no right to, to look down upon the cruise ship industry when I'm willing to buy flights around the world. And that's kind of the predicament we're in right now as travelers, because most travelers are very environmentally conscious and they want to do their part. But at the same time, you still want to see the world. And that's kind of where we're stuck in this uh, purgatory where we, we just are at the mercy of the technology that's available to us at this point in time. And hopefully it will change and it appears to be changing and we'll just need to hang tight. Yeah. And I think we had an article when we first started doing these travel bites about electric air travel. Electric vehicles are Mm going to be a huge impact on sustainable travel. And then once we have planes that are able to like commercial flights that are able to be operated fully on a battery, that'll make a big difference. Yep. It'll be, it'll happen in our lifetime. So the second one is traveling off the beaten path, which is pretty normal, pretty expected. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think people are getting, I, I really think this comes down to social media, man. Like people are seeing the same pictures over and over and over and over again, and they want something new. They want something more. They're, we're getting tired of, social media has ruined what it was like for someone to go and experience even just the Eiffel Tower or the Roman Coliseum for the first time, because social media is littered with those pictures and it, it kind of takes it away. It takes away the magic of seeing it for yourself. And so of a desensitization. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I'm not, not surprised by that one at all. The next one is that there is big interest in new ways of transport. And the example that was given in the article is that France has proposed a ban on almost all of their internal flights. And I think this comes back to, a more sustainable travel and they're trying to force people to drive to, or take the train. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, from what I understand. Yeah. And then tied in with that. The last one is motion based travel and it's, it was big last year and it's continuing to grow this year. Right. So UK's leading cycling vacation specialist said there was a 140% increase in cycle trip bookings from North America between 2014 and 2018. And that is and this, expected to increase this year. And this is just obvious to us. I mean, we're, we're part of that. We want to be active. We're looking for, I don't think I would go on a trip at this point and not look into ways where I can do a cycling trip or do a hiking trip or do something where I'm physically exerting myself and exploring in a, in a natural way. So yeah, we've had, a, is, we've had three guests that I can think of off the top of my head that biked as part of their adventure. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, Lena, and, Lena, Peter, and the Beard Brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah. So very popular. Um, all right. Well, that's that's all of our news for this week. That's nice, nice, short and sweet. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it, Elliot. Who do we have on this month? So this month is going to be quite awesome. We have Tasha, who talks more on sustainable travel and her experiences in remote regions of the world. Mark on his travel experiences to 185 countries and his newest project of boating, the Great American Loop. Tune in to learn what the Great American Loop is. And then lastly, we have Kirsty and, sorry, 
Kirsty, it's Thirsty Kirsty and Christine <laughs> on their travels and experiences as part of the LGBTQ community. Yeah, all four of these guests were incredible to talk to, and they're going to be very good episodes. No, four. There was four guests total. Elliot gave me a three, like I miscounted. But she, we had Kirsty and Christine. I did. On yeah, some behind the scenes right here, calling them out. Um, <sighs> Kirsty and Christine were obviously two people. And so, um, all right, well, yeah, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our Travel Bites episode. If you have the answer to last week's trivia question, please email it to us. And lastly, if you wouldn't mind submitting a review on iTunes or wherever it is you're listening to this podcast right now, we greatly appreciate it. And it really helps us get better guests and create better content and a better listening experience, a better listening experience for you. So thank you very much for being fans of the show. 